0: This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB, 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Sarah Timon. Stacey Mitchell decided it was okay to take a vacation for some reason. She's down in Florida, a.k.a. Florida. And we all work with the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline, the number one REMAX team in Pennsylvania since 2018, number 11 in the country last year. And we're streaming live every single week on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Just look up Tom Tool Sales Group. So, Sarah, it's a big milestone today. Yep. I didn't even realize. It shows you how much I pay attention. This is our 100th episode of Tool Time Radio. They kept us on. We haven't gotten canceled yet, which is very exciting. So we're going to unpack kind of what the last 99 episodes have been like. Best guests, most watched uh, segments that we've had. I think that'll be a kind of cool segment to wrap up the show here. But first, the commission lawsuit is now class action status. So if you haven't been following this, there is a real estate commission lawsuit. And there's actually a couple of these. Um, So the National Association of Realtors are named in a lawsuit that some will say will rock the real estate industry that sellers unfairly paid buyer agent fees. uh, And it's for billions of dollars paid between 2015 and 2020. And last week on Wednesday, there was a federal court ruling by Judge Andrea Wood in the Northern District of Illinois that granted class certification in the larger of the two federal commission lawsuits. And here's the companies that are named. You got the National Association of Realtors, Anywhere, formerly Reology, who is the parent company of Coldwell Banker, Century 21, a lot of those brands. Um, Home Services of America, the parent company of Berkshire Hathaway, Remax, and Keller Williams. So a lot of the big box companies. And now it's class action status. So, Sarah, what do you think about all this?
1: Yeah, I mean, what I think is also, like, interesting here is, so if the time frame is from 2015 to 2019, Mm -hmm. but nothing has changed since then. So, right? I mean, there's still the same rules are still in place. It's still the same requirements to get under the MLS. Um, so nothing has changed.
0: Well, what's interesting is there was also the NAR DOJ situation that, um, that was a very similar thing about, you know, uh, a, a monopoly and commission fixing, um, and they, they reached a settlement. So there was a settlement of lawsuits that said sellers don't have the ability to negotiate and, like, the NAR actually, like, promotes that. And they settled it with the previous administration back in, I want to say it was, like, 2019, 2020, they settled this. And then the new administration came in when President Biden was elected. And they said, no, oh, just kidding. We're changing our settlement, which is unprecedented. So, and then that got reversed um, in, a, in a decision made in January of this year. So nothing has changed. And you know here, here's my issue with this. And, and tell me what you think. There's a, there's a the plaintiff has this notion that there's standardized rules uh, promoted by the NAR and adopted by all the different companies that are out there, which uh, basically are, are they're alleging realtors of price fixing. I I don't know what case studies or examples they have that these fees are not constantly negotiated uh, and. That's the challenge I have with it. I mean, I, I see this in the day to day. We talk about this all the time. People right. constantly negotiate the broker fee, right. and whether someone agrees to it or not, that's the real estate agent's prerogative. That's right. not. It, it doesn't mean that it's a class action issue. It's no different than any other business here. And th- the fact that this case has gone on so long is shocking to me. And like, there's, there's still no end in sight. I mean, I bet this doesn't even get settled till like 2025 at this point.
1: Right. And I mean, I think. The way that the system is set up now, it's kind of streamlined, streamlined and understood amongst everyone. So, um, you know, if you and there is there is room to negotiate in there. There is room to to discuss this. You know, how much is going to go to the buyer agent? How much is going to the mm-hmm. listing side? How much total is is happening? You know, like that's all up for for negotiation. And you know, there. Are, you're welcome to shop around and talk to different agents. We encourage it. We're like, mm-hmm. if you're going to list your home, like, speak to different agents, see what they offer, and in like most cases, the price that they're charging is reflective of the amount of work that they're doing, the resources they're using, the way that they're promoting and marketing your home.
0: Well said. Here's what the plaintiffs are saying, and 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 uh, they they say they have evidence that includes the defendant's own policies and representations that reflect how NAR and each of these corporate defendants, all the different companies, they work together to implement and enforce the MLS rules, the code of ethics, and case interpretations. And apparently they also have evidence showing how various senior executives from each of these companies were involved in NAR's governance. I mean, of course they're going to be involved in NAR's governance. I don't see that really being an issue. Um, My my concern there is that they're, they're saying that basically this is coming from the top down and you know it's there's a difference of coaching people to communicate their worth versus price fixing and saying this is what everyone's going to do because i can tell you there are companies named in this that will automatically drop their fee just to get a listing and i can name the local franchises that do this and some you know that they're they're a little you know they don't coach people to do that others do there's discount brokerages out there that do this stuff that are in the mls so i just don't know how long this is going to go for i think there's bigger implications here in a lot of cases but it, it just seems like the 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 evidence they say they have i mean I, i'd like to see the evidence i think would be kind of the way i mean like do, can you imagine what, what's proving this year i just don't i don't know what it would look like
1: right and i mean i think that yes the way that the system is currently set up the seller does pay the you know the buyer's agent but then if you're flipping that around if you're buying and selling you're only paying that on one side you're only paying that as a seller you're not you're not paying that as the buyer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think it also allows for, um, if the buyer doesn't need to pay that out of pocket, it allows them to pay a higher purchase price. You know, like there's this, it comes in in, in many different ways, you know? Mm-hmm. So if you just pull that out, yeah. like, and I mean, where, what I'm curious is like, let's say they win this case, where's that money coming from to pay them back? Yeah. Like they can't go back to the agents.
0: That money spent. I mean, right. no, knowing real estate agents' uh, lack of uh, financial management skills in general, some of these people probably broke by now. Right. I, 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 see, I, And, and the the challenge I see with this is that, you know, there. I mean, something like, for example, Remax declined uh, to comment. That's no surprise. I've I've spoken to Nick Bailey about this. We did an interview with him, and he basically said, "You can ask me anything except about the commission lawsuit." And I said, "Okay, thanks, Nick." And he's the CEO of Remax, so I I, I get that. Um. And, you know, they, they've also, you know, Inman uh, had reached out to all these folks. You're not going to get anything on this. I mean, this is DOJ. This is class action. You're not going to hear these folks comment. And a lot of people are saying that, that, that they basically want the buyer to pay these fees. And what I can tell you about this definitively is that if the buyer pays these fees, sellers will not get as much for their home. And it's not going to be just by the commission amount. It's going to be substantially more because... How do buyers buy homes, Sarah? You know this.
1: <laughs> you mean they look at the, just the purchase price of the home?
0: Well, do they ever pay cash or like, right, or fine. do they finance it, right? right? So if you're asking someone to pay 3% or 2% or 10%, whatever the fee is, there's no set fee, to be very clear. Nick, can you like replay that part a couple times on, on this? But uh, there's no set fees. But whatever that fee is, that takes up directly away from the cash they have to close. Yeah. And most buyers go up to the maximum amount they can afford. Right. And so all of a sudden, if you have – A lump sum let's say it was a the numbers you know ten thousand dollars just to make up a number here that's ten thousand less for a down payment well if you're buying a five hundred thousand dollar home and now you only have 90 thousand instead of a hundred thousand for a down payment well all of a sudden you're paying maybe 480 at most and then the rate might go up because you're not putting 20% down or uh, it's it's gonna end up hurting sellers here so it's
1: gonna like you know additional cash that maybe they would have had set aside to do something like cover an appraisal gap. Mm -hmm. Like, that's, right, like most people do not just have all of that excess cash sitting there, you know, because again, they're financing. So, um, and most people also don't want to spend every cent that they have to get in. There might be work they want to do when they get in. Moving costs money. You need to have some type of safety net, you know, Uh like, um, it's, it's also interesting because I've had, different um, during listing consultations, when you talk about what percentage is going to the buyer's agent versus what percent goes to the listing agent. Because again, this is a conversation that you have with them. This isn't something that just gets slipped into paperwork. Mm-hmm. It is it is part of the listing um, consultation, part of that conversation, part of that discussion. So if you're meeting with agents and they're not telling you that, this is something that you are free to talk about. Um, and I've had it come up before where the you know, the person that's going to be listing their home wants to make sure that enough is going to the buyer's agent mm-hmm. in order to encourage those agents to bring the buyers out. Um, so it's kind of interesting the different, because some people get that, you know, mm-hmm. they they see the value in in doing that.
0: Yeah. And and those are informed consumers. And you know, this may have to do with just agents not explaining things properly, right? I mean, we hear all the time that there's these discount brokerages that'll do it for X percent, and that's how they advertise. And then all of a sudden they're like, but we got to pay the other agent and we have to uh, a- add that, add that fee onto it. So I'm going to share some of the comments uh, from this. This is, very, I mean, this, this story broke and the comments have been bananas and just tell tell I'm going to fire them at you here, Sarah. You can tell me if you agree or disagree. So this wasn't unexpected, no merits to the plaintiff's case. I think that's probably a fair assessment. Sure. I, I mean, this wasn't, I, I kind of thought this was going to happen, yeah. Um So this article states, including one requiring listing brokers to offer buyer brokers a commission in order to list a property in a realtor-affiliated MLS service that violates the Sherman Antitrust Act by inflating sellers' costs. That's one of the allegations. So are they saying, like, competing – See, some of these people don't even know this. Like, this comment goes on. It's, like, gibberish. So I'm going to disagree with that one. Um, A lot of people are saying this just doesn't make any sense.
1: Right. Well, and, like – They, I don't know how you can go back after the fact, like you signed a contract agreeing to the way that this structure was being, Mm -hmm. was being done.
0: Yeah. I, I, I mean, you know, and and I think that the, the rub here may be, and, and there's a bigger implication here we'll get into in a second. The rub may be that some of these MLSs require some sort of compensation to list the home. It could be a dollar. I mean, it could be, it could be five cents, right? I mean, they, they, just to get into the MLS, um, I think of like FHA buyers, though, or VA buyers. VA buyers typically don't put any money down. Right. So how are they going to afford to pay the buyer agent? FHA, same kind of thing. Right. Um, even low, t- fir- low, low down payment first-time buyers. We're seeing 3% down conventional. Definitely. That's all they got. You're going to make it even harder for right. first-time home buyers. And it's, it's going to have a negative effect on the market. Oh, for sure. So the bigger issue I see here is that agents don't focus on taking listings enough. Because if you take the listings and you're just a listing, agent, you don't have this problem. It doesn't really matter. If they say it's illegal to do this and you're still listing homes, you're going to have business come to you, and that gets very exciting. Uh, buyer agents, especially the past couple of years, and we talk about this constantly, they don't communicate value to their clients, and that may be why this person feels this way. Because I've sold many listings. I know you've sold a, a number of listings, too. Sometimes the buyer agent doesn't do anything, right. and sometimes the listing agent doesn't do anything either. So. do you think it's a competency issue with agents that's driving this
1: yeah i think so um and i think it's like in order for anything to change here like it wouldn't be able to just be where like some agents do it differently like the way it's set now it's streamlined and this is the way that things kind of run it would have to be like a full switch if anything were to happen here right um you couldn't just because that would get very confusing for buyers too. If you had like, okay, this one the seller's paying it. This one the buyer's paying it. So no, you can't afford this one, and um, it would. I think it would just make for a lot of confusion.
0: I, I just don't like the way that. I mean, this may happen. I, I, you know, whatever happens here, it's out of our control, right? So I think this is one of those you got to roll with whatever the uh, the thing that happens here. Although the NAR DOJ case it got thrown out again after something unprecedented. So. Um, and uh, you know, I, I think the the bigger issue here is, I love this one of the um one of the comments here is someone asking him to join EXP Realty, like the most savage recruiters on the planet. That that's fantastic. Um, and I I think the challenge here is the NAR leadership has not been rallying enough. In I mean, I don't even know how you let it get this far if I'm NAR. And you know, th- I think there's some questions there about how things have gotten to this point. And you know, if there's the NIR comes up with these arbitrary rules, like the clear cooperation policy. And I I think their policies have to be in line with what actually the the law says. So um, real estate's also one of the last businesses to get disrupted. And there hasn't been a lot of disruption until recently. And I think that has something to do with it too, because everyone's trying to grab a piece of the commission pie right now.
1: Right, yeah. I mean, I, I think like, as you had said before, like some of the concern was though, this is coming from like the higher ups down, right? But you need people that know the industry and understand what's going on to make these decisions. You don't want mm-hmm. the decisions being made by people that don't that are uninformed and you know don't know how the process works. Um, so I I feel like if they bring so their solution basically the people that are bringing this up is that sellers pay their commissions, buyers pay theirs.
0: Well, I mean the buyer is paying the commission though, right. because if they only if if they were and. You'd have to change some laws to keep the current system in place because i mean it, you know and and there's sellers that will there's actually a field in the bright mls um we were, deal- I, I, uh, we were dealing with this on uh with uh, uh josh Krabensky from our team where if you have to disclose if the seller is paying a variable commission if the listing agent brings the buyer that's something that has to be disclosed in the mls um so it does happen but if that's the case and that's going to affect what that buyer has to offer to win the home. So it's you know, th- 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 these things are there. I think that the, the, the problem is no one's, like, forced to hire an agent. They can go for sale by owner if they wanted to. There's people that don't participate in the MLS. Um, and it, it's, I, I, this is going to hurt affordability, which is already strapped as it is. So what do you think happens with this thing? I mean, I, I, I mean, it seems like we're on the same page here in terms of how this goes. Like, what do you, wh- where do you think this goes? How long are we dealing with this? Tell us more about that.
1: I mean, I think that this is not going to be something that we see um, come to an end this year, next year. You know, I think this is going to mm-hmm. drag out. Um, but, I mean, ultimately, without another viable solution put in place, I I don't think that they're going to come out on top here.
0: Well, and, and I love that you said that it's not a solution because there had to be – you could – A lot of the buyers are basically financing the the buyer brokerage fee. That's really what it comes down to. They pay for it in their payment. Um, And when you look at uh, one of the comments here I thought was really intelligent, was look at the seller's net sheet and see what actually is being paid. So I think that that's – we've said that before. So if the buyer could finance that broker fee, it becomes part of like closing costs and assist and that sort of stuff. Maybe then it works, but it's going to make it more difficult. Mortgage laws are going to have to change for that to make it viable for a lot of people. So – I I do. I think this goes on at least until 2025, if not longer. um, Because I mean, there now you got class act. I mean, there's six months before we hear any news on this again, and I don't think this makes much of a difference. I, I believe it's unfounded. However, real estate agents need to pay attention and need to communicate their value better. Because if they were doing that, I'd imagine this lawsuit wouldn't be here in the first place. All right. So we're gonna take a quick break. We're gonna come back. We're gonna talk about historical trends in economic shifting conditions and what that could tell us about the 2023 market this is Tooltime real estate radio on wwdb 860 am
2: buying a home or already own one we can help i am kevin hamill from alliances insurance agency if you haven't reviewed your policies in the last three years now's the time new home buyers there are a number of ways that we can help you get to that settlement table Call us to find out more at 610-816-0043, extension 3, or visit our website, alliancesinsurance.com.
0: Don't forget the S. It's for savings. Have you considered a career in real estate? Do you want control over your income? Whether you have a license or not, call us today at 610-692-6976 or visit TomTool.com. Join our team, the TomTool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline. I'm Tom Tool of the TomTool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline. If you're thinking of becoming a real estate agent in the greater Philly area, I have a special offer for you. Our team did $165 million of volume in 2021, making us the number one REMAX team in Pennsylvania and a top 1% team nationally. Our agents love us because we offer them a successful career, a great life, and an unbeatable culture. Agents who've been with us for at least a year average 30-plus sales. Even our brand-new agents average 17 to 24 sales a year. We offer proven systems and expert training. We help you set more appointments and sell more houses. Now here's the offer. If you don't have a real estate license yet, we offer real estate scholarships so you can get one for free. Check it out at realestatescholarshipprogram.com or visit the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline at tomtool.com. That's tom tool with an e.com. Get more out of your real estate career and remember the real estate golden rule. You always get more when you work with Tom Tool. For the best
3: local mortgage service and great rates on your money, look no further than Mortgage America. We've been operating in the greater Philadelphia area for 40 years with a focus on smooth, easy access to home purchasing. Whether you're a first-time buyer, upsizing or downsizing, or just refinancing, we have programs for you. We also have closing cost assistance programs and access to subsidized interest rates. Pre-approval is free, no costs or commitments. To learn more, visit our website at mymortgageamerica.com or give us a call at 610-439-8000. We always have a person available to take your call with around-the-clock human service. Purchase your home with the personalized, local service you find at Mortgage America.
0: Mortgage America is an equal housing lender. NMLS 128501. We are back on Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Sarah Timon, and we are here streaming live every week on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Just look up Tom Tool Sales Group, and we all work with the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline, the number one REMAX team in Pennsylvania since 2018, and number 11 team in the country in 2022. So, we're going to jump on the DeLorean here. You you know what that is, right? So, I say this to people sometimes back to the future well yeah but they're like what's a delorean they they don't don't understand so i'm glad i'm glad we're on the same page so uh we're gonna jump in the delorean here and i say that for a reason because there's everyone's worried about what's the economic uh reset potential recession that we're falling into going to do how's that going to affect the market and have we been through this before and in my view you know past trends can predict future results or at least give us an idea what's going to happen in the current marketplace so uh Inman did a great job with uh, a couple articles here, and we're going to just, just look at some historical trends and see if the spring market's going to be the way a lot of it is expected to be, how the four decades of housing data can tell us a complex story. So let's kind of jump in, because historical trends do, you know, the, everything has pretty much happened before at this point. It's 2023. It's not like we're dealing with like new things happening all the time. So these economic trends do cycle. So the first thing we want to talk about And this was a a great article that got posted on Inman by um, Jim Dalrymple II. So, and it's a series he calls Past His Prologue. I like the DeLorean comment better. So, what he did was, um, you know, he looked back at uh, 1979. And I wasn't even born yet. Neither were you. um, Inflation rose to more than 11%. And then in 1980, it topped out at 13.5%. And the person leading the Fed aggressively pushed interest rates higher and higher in a very short time. Yeah, there we go. That's what I was going to ask. So um, now eventually uh, the Fed chairman, his name was Paul uh, Volcker, his efforts worked and inflation did come back down. Um, in, uh, and, and although there were a pair of uh, recessions that ensued in the early 80s as well. So it's today's not identical to that, but we are seeing high inflation and a lot of interest rate hikes. So, and and none of these two moments are ever the same, but I I, I think you look at that and let so let's just talk about like what happened with inflation and then the results. So, uh, data from the St. Louis Fed shows that the spike in inflation that took place in the late 70s, um, and the the first real massive spike happened in 1973 and again in 1978. So that y- you saw inflation get into, like, the 12 almost 15% range during that time. So that's pretty similar to what the Fed's worried about here. And during that time, what we saw was home prices still kept going up. So despite all this inflation, you didn't really see home prices crater at all. I mean, there's always, like, a little bit of ups and downs when, the, when you look at the median home sale price over this chart here. And um, we're going to have Nick put the chart up on the restream um, from the article here. Um, And you really don't see any major decline from 1968 until now, except in the 2008 Depression. That's really it. So seeing this data, Sarah, knowing they had worse inflation than we have now, and we also look at the uh, annual sale of existing homes, the number of homes that sold. Do you think – what what does all this data tell you? I mean, just looking at the past trend here from, from the late 70s, early 80s.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it shows us that all of these pieces certainly factor in, but that real estate is going to continue to move. People are going to continue to purchase and that as a general trend, home prices are going to continue to go up. Um, what is also different now from what had been going on back then was inventory, um, which is another you know piece to definitely consider when thinking, oh my gosh, is the market going to crash mm-hmm. and everything's going to bottom out? Like, no, no. <laughs>
0: Well, and, and what this tells me is that—and we talked about this a lot in 2020 because we had a recession then for a couple months because of, of what happened with uh, the pandemic shutdowns. People were still buying homes. Like, the market still moved, and they would have bought more homes in Pennsylvania had we been allowed to show them, which was like a whole other factor. But across the country, you had that little blip, um, like, in late March, and then things were started rolling again in April, and it was fast and furious. So I'm clear that this really demonstrates that even during down economic times— you're still going to see home sell. We just saw an extraordinary amount of home sale in 2021 and even even parts of last year. So we're kind of trending more back to the median. And this has been the case. And it happened again in 1990, which we're going to unpack in a second. So uh, data from the NAR shows that home sales during that time, um, they peaked at nearly four million in 1978, but they fell to two point seven million in 1983, and then we started to see things recover. So we saw about a 32% drop. Going from over 6 million to a predicted four and a half million, it's about the same number. So I I look at this as we got more houses to sell, which is great. The commission pool's larger because prices have gone up. So agents really need to lean into, how do I find these people and what work do I need to do to identify them? Things like you're doing, like you're knocking on doors Mm -hmm. till your knuckles bleed at this point. I mean, this is a, but that's hard work and people need to do that making phone calls, right? I mean, we have agents on our team. Paul comes to mind. He's made more phone calls than anybody else, and he's selling a ton of houses. It almost said shit ton. Um, <laughs> he's selling a ton of houses. So when you, have, when you do the things that you know work, uh, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to help. So uh, now let's compare this to right now, and then we'll jump into the 1990 comparison. So what we've seen was that there was this great reshuffling, right? Everyone kind of went to these like vacation spots and relocated it. And if you look at those markets now, specifically, like places like Austin, Las Vegas, Florida, well, th- there's, a, there's a great study that Redfin did uh, that shows the housing market and tech hubs and pandemic booms are the ones that are cooling the fastest right now. So what does that tell you, Sarah?
1: Yeah, I mean, they're the ones that, I mean, they went through the roof mm-hmm. <laughs> right away. Um, and then now, I mean, I think that also there wasn't, in some of the, like around here, we have a stable market. Um, so we didn't see. I mean, during the the pandemic and during the last couple of years, prices, you know, definitely went up, but it didn't go at that, you know, degree that some of these other places did. So mm-hmm. it's also not gonna drop. Like it was unsustainable what happened, yeah. um, in some of those markets versus we have a very sustainable market, um, and it's strong.
0: Yeah, and and if you look at th- this chart, I find this fascinating. I mean, they have like a, a one to ninety two score. One means the market cooled the fastest and 92 means it's it's still moving strong so you see all these green dots in the northeast where people have lived the longest in the country i mean philadelphia jersey new york uh dc um even down in uh you know parts of uh, virginia um uh, into new england and then you see a couple towns like uh like milwaukee wisconsin chicago illinois those places and then you see these red dots and they're in california washington Oregon, Florida, basically south and west. And, th- th- uh, you know, we saw the same thing in 2008. You saw these high peaks, high, for, h- high high prices, and then a lot of foreclosures in those same states, and it was typically ca- uh, California, Arizona, Nevada, Florida, and Ohio. Ohio was due to jobs. That was the one outlier there. But there's metro areas like Hartford, Connecticut, for example. It's not necessarily a hot market. Pending sales are down 16% year over year, and new listings have dropped, but other metrics show – there's still competition for homes with multiple offers, and the median sale price per square foot is up 8%. So that's a great example. Like, Hartford doesn't scream like a sexy town to me. I, you know, I mean, the, the, the only thing I know about Hartford is you said the Whalers. Now they're down in North Carolina. So other metro markets, Milwaukee, Bridgeport, Connecticut, Albany, Rochester, I mean, it, it's the same thing where there, there's people that have lived there a long time. So if you looked at, like, the what, what's happening there, that tells me people are kind of returning to – where they used to live historically. And I know a lot of that has to do with employers where they're paying Manhattan or downtown Philadelphia rents, and everyone said, I'm going to go work from remote and go to Aspen, and they're like, hey, we're not going to be paying the Northeast salary if you're living in Aspen, Colorado, or down in South Carolina. So th- that, to me, is very fascinating here. We're seeing actually a, like, a, like a trend of returning to the norm with the great reshuffling basically being over. Um, so I think that has something to do with what's going on in the market because these tech hubs and COVID hotspots are just cooling down. Like, the developing cities, they're kind of done developing at this point. And that usually is what happens when we see the market regroup and recalibrate like we are now. So, so
1: what is in Florida here, the one area that did have a green dot? Is that Miami?
0: That's Miami. Which makes sense. Biggest city in Florida. But you look at the other spots, it's like, I mean, like Naples, right? Or even like northern Florida. I mean, all, a lot of people have moved. I can't tell you how many people have moved to Florida. Like, we've sold homes for And they're like, I'm out. I'm going to Florida. Yeah. So that that's that's a really good example. I mean, uh, there's been a lot of people that have that have that have gone there and Florida's typically one of those states where that happens. So this is, you know, th- this tells me homes are still going to be selling. We're seeing the market normalize. This isn't a bad thing. And what it's going to really do is we're going to see um that less homes are going to change hands and prices are going to start to moderate. Because like you said, our market's pretty stable. It's more slow and steady wins the race versus We're up 20, 30 percent year over year, which is unsustainable. So the next question that came up in this uh, in this series from Inman is, will an inventory shortage stymie the spring market? So when I say ask that question, Sarah, what do you think off the top of your head?
1: um well what does stymie mean
0: slow down (laughs) i love Um. the honesty because a lot of people would have been like oh but that's it's amazing it makes you you that's awesome
1: yeah so um like inventory is something that we've been dealing with for years now right so yes it's going to affect it we're not going to see uh necessarily as many transactions occur because there are not as many homes to sell Mm -hmm. um but there are still very motivated buyers out there um so and people always still need to move so transactions are 100 percent going to occur I think it's going to come down to in terms of like the number of listings that you can get really educating um your potential sellers and figuring out what it is that they need in order to make that move what what would their motivation be if things can kind of come into play and how can you how can you help them do that Um, And I think sometimes kind of like stepping a little bit further out and being able to connect the dots a little bit for how to ease concerns and move things along um, can go a long way.
0: So I I, I totally agree with you. I mean, in any down market, there's always been homes that have sold. And, and, you know, even through 2008 to 2012, I mean, we saw our business here go up every year because we were just approaching the business differently. Uh, Inventory is a, it's it's been shrinking. If you look at, uh, there's another chart here from NAR, that shows basically the number of homes that were for sale peaked in 2006, 2007, and then all of a sudden they've been shrinking ever since. Uh, And all that in mind, if you look at the homes that are transacting, um, and this comes out from a a report from realorder.com, inventory was up 67.8% compared to the same period for last year through February. So we're seeing there's been more homes that are on the market this year than last year, and uh, that means basically there were 234,000 more homes, to put a number on it, compared to the same month. Um, So the challenge is, even with the uptick in inventory, it's still 47.4% lower than pre-pandemic because people are valuing their homes a lot more. So this is a little unprecedented, but if you look into that, let's again jump in the DeLorean and look at what happened in the mid-1990s. There's a seasonal pattern here, and that downward trajectory that led to 1994 began in the late 80s, and I think this is kind of the same thing. And It was an unsustainable pace. And at the end of 1994, we saw a 51.6% decrease in inventory. So it, it's kind of the same thing. But what NAR did was they also showed the data of number of monthly sales that actually, they actually went up 4.5%. So we saw more homes transact, just not a lot of stale inventory. And that that's the finance fascinating thing about this, not financing, excuse me, where no matter what the condition is, home sales are gonna kinda chug along here and people are still gonna move. And it comes down to those all the D's we talked about a couple weeks ago, like death, divorce, diamonds, diapers, d relocation. I don't I, I still don't get that one. That's supposed to be a joke, apparently. But uh that's what's gonna cause people to move. And you know, we saw the inventory from May twenty twenty to May twenty twenty two of single family homes fall twenty five percent, but sales climbed twenty eight point six percent at that time. So it's a lot of stale inventory that we're not seeing right now that's right. the big difference yeah. so kn- knowing all this we, we you know we're seeing that the the covet hotspots are cooling down we're seeing that the tech hubs are cooling down we're seeing prices start to moderate inventory uh to, to shrink a little bit what's what's your analysis of what happens over the next six eight months here through the end of the year and what should agents be doing to adjust their business plans right now
1: yeah i mean i think that we need to be keeping a tight watch on you know, things like interest rates, um, educating your uh, buyer clients kind of of what, you know, let's focus on the monthly payment and see how, you know, how that kind of factors in. Um, just kind of keeping an eye on the market and getting um, properties in front of your your clients as quickly as possible because it, it most likely won't sit. Um, I'm hoping that as the year goes on here, um, the interest rates stabilize and that with the spring market inventory does start to increase. I know we have locally seen that. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully that continues because that kind of eases everything like, things for everyone um, and just keeping on top of the local market trends so that you can best educate your your clients because I know a lot of times you know something that will come up will be like well I'd be better off waiting or I'm gonna I'm gonna step out for a couple months and, and see how things come come to play then which if you're in a position to do that, um, and if you can support that with the numbers, okay, but just being able to let them kind of know, like, hey, this is kind of where things are trending mm-hmm. so that they can make the best decision for uh, them and their family.
0: I, someone sent me this quote the uh, past couple days. I don't remember when. This, this really explains what agents should be doing. Six months of focus and determination can put fu- you five years ahead in your life. Don't underestimate the power of consistency and desire. And I've heard... Some interesting takes on the current market. And uh, Sarah, I give you a lot of credit. We've talked about this off the show that you have taken control of your business and you're playing offense right now. You're going out and making things happen. So many agents are used to like, hey, the phone's a little slow today. Or I didn't see any inbound leads come in, and they're waiting on this waterfall of opportunities to come in front of them so they can cherry pick the best ones that are going to be easy. Think about the listings you've been taking lately. Have any of them been easy to get? No. And what does everyone want right now? Well, easy or more listings one of the yeah. two right so well I, I think you're right they do want easy so that's, that's a great answer and it's gonna be about having like you got to treat this like a job like so many people they want to uh, you know I'm, I, don't, I don't I don't have any appointments today I'm gonna go here right. and it's and it's like a Tuesday yeah. right or I don't have any appointments today I'm gonna go do this and it's it's like Wednesday afternoon at like 2 o'clock in my view if you don't have things going on in your business go to the things that are going to get you business you're door knocking every friday how many doors do you think you've knocked in the past 12 months
1: oh my gosh i don't even know but like so josh i feel like keeps good track of all of that and we were talking about it two weeks ago when we were out and he was like we have covered so much area um and now we're kind of i think going to focus on kind of circling back and providing Mm -hmm. updated information on places that we haven't been recently so uh watch out for us if you've if we've been to your door before we're coming back
0: they're all um, permanent this is all legal by yes, the way just yep. so everyone knows
1: yep I just filled out my tax sheet and I had to log in my bill for my solicitation yeah. permit <laughs> um but
0: yeah so I would argue it's probably over a thousand doors collectively right now oh, at yeah. least so yeah okay so so probably more than that so that's hard that you got and you guys are focused I mean they go out bad weather good if it's raining I think that's like the one time you like might not go or if it's snowing but it's been cold a couple times you guys have been out. I mean, it was I went with you, it was it was hot out. I mean, I was pretty exhausted after we got done. The the point is, that's focus. And you guys have been focused on that and your business is seeing results, especially when you're getting listings and a couple of the listings they were ready to hire somebody else and then all of a sudden knock knock knock, they got a new listing agent coming up. So, it doesn't have to be door knocking, but that's a great example here. So, if agents aren't focused right now, they're just they're just going to get outworked. I mean, think about that, that, that listing you took. I'm not going to give the address. You know the one I'm talking about. They already had their mind made up. Mm-hmm. I'd imagine they probably already talked to this person, or maybe they didn't, or the person wasn't reaching out. Right. You just took the listing from them. Yeah. You won. Like, uh, well, I, but that, that's a big deal. And the next six months, if you're not happy with where your business is at right now, there's still going to be plenty of homes to sell. NAR just jumped their predictions up 14.5%. That's going to be another million 60 transaction sides um, that that are out there. Um, So it's not even just the 4.58 million. That's really almost 9 million, a little over 9 million chances to do business. So if you're not focused and not treating this like a business, I mean, someone else will outwork you right now. And when it's harder to earn business, that's when all the the pretenders kind of get out of the market.
1: Right. I mean, this is not the time to just sit and wait for things to come to you. You do have to go and create your own opportunities.
0: Exactly. So, I see a lot of opportunity. You mentioned opportunity. I see career opportunities for real estate agents right now in the current marketplace. What's clear through all this historical data that we looked through, the late 70s, the mid-90s, homes are still going to sell. The market's going to chug along, and inflation's probably going to come down, and the economic cycle's probably going to be over by the end of the year. Usually, the downturns only last like seven, eight months. It's the aftermath that people don't know how to deal with, and that's where agents can go out and really do it do a lot of good work, and help a lot of people. So on that note, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back, and we are going to talk about the last 99 shows of the number one real estate radio show in Philadelphia, Tool Time Real Estate Radio, on WWDB, 860 AM. the Tom Tool Sales Group is the number one REMAX team in Pennsylvania with over $165 million in volume for 2021. I'm Tom Tool, and our team has achieved that kind of success by being a great place to work with and to work for. No one knows Greater Philly better than we do. We know real estate, but more importantly, we're real people. We hire the best agents, and we give them all the tools to succeed. Even our brand-new agents sell 17 to 24 homes a year because our team delivers the best experience in real estate. Teams deliver a better experience than individuals, and we're a top 1% real estate team in the country. We call it AAA service. We're your advocate, ally, and advisor. Because this isn't a transaction to us. It's a relationship. If you're buying or selling a home, call the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Main Line at 610-692-6976 or visit TomTool.com. That's Tom, with an e, dot com. Sell your home for more and remember the real estate golden rule. You always get more when you work with Tom Tool. Have you considered a career in real estate? Do you want control over your income? Whether you have a license or not, call us today at 610-692-6976 or visit tomtool.com. Join our team, the Tom Tool Sales Group at RE-MAX Mainline.
2: Buying a home or already own one? We can help. I am Kevin Hamill from Alliances Insurance Agency. If you haven't reviewed your policies in the last three years, now's the time. New home buyers, there are a number of ways that we can help you get to that settlement table. Call us to find out more at 610 816 0043, extension three, or visit our website, alliancesinsurance.com. Don't forget the S, it's for savings.
0: All right, all right, all right, we are back for the final segment of episode 100 on Tool Time Real Estate Radio. I think Sarah's more excited than I am for sure. On Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB, 860 AM. She's Sarah and I'm Tom Tool. We both work at the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline, the number one REMAX team in Pennsylvania since 2018, number 11 in the country, and we're streaming live every single week on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Just look up Tom Tool Sales Group. Give us a like. Give us a follow. So, Hundred episodes, I forgot about this, so I didn't even. It shows you how much of a radar it is for it was for me. Uh, but we've been doing this almost two years, I guess. Hundred and four would be the two year anniversary, so we can maybe talk more then. So there's a couple things to talk about here. I mean, obviously we talk a lot about real estate on this, and like I feel like it's like an almost like an economic like what's going on with rates, what's happening in the market. We've also had some fun guests on. Um, and before we get into that, I wanted to share with you this. This was mind blowing to me. This segment had almost twenty three thousand views and it was about the best time to buy a home was the week of september 25th i I can't believe that was the number one segment
1: yeah i mean i guess that's like a a catchy catchy headline
0: i don't know i mean is it really the best time to buy a home though the week of september 25th i I think that i think the best time to buy a home is when you find a home is going to work for you so but I, i you know think about this though the pain points in the marketplace Buyers have been getting beat up ever since we started the show. So maybe that has something to do with it. So 23,000 views there. Let's talk about the guests we've had. So we've we've had some pretty good guests, arguably some not-so-great guests as well. Uh, Who's your favorite? Who do you think was the most impactful? Who was the coolest? Let's talk about the guests.
1: All right. So I guess I would say probably, like, biggest name that we had on would be Garrett Stubbs. Um and that was that was pretty recently.
0: That was recent.
1: Yeah. But so, that's probably like the most famous person that we would have had well, on. I
0: th- he was a pretty good guest for a lot of reasons. One, he's tied to the local area. The uh Dancing on My Own playlist, like he is like the like the the party guy in the clubhouse with the phillies So if you don't know who Garrett Stubbs is, he's the backup catcher for the Philadelphia Phillies. Um and what what's exciting about that is like we we actually had a connection with him and his uh, grandmother and mom are like real estate royalty. Like they sell all the homes in La Jolla, California. It's pronounced spelled La Jolla. If you don't know what that is, and you, your sister lives out that way, right? Yeah, like, she's in
1: San Diego, and she works in La Jolla a lot. So.
0: La Jolla is—I mean, if you've been there, like it's ridi- like you're right on the water. They have seals on the beach. Like it's probably some of the priciest real estate in the country. And I've seen his grandmother speak on stage before. And like um, his grandmother just got married, so they went. Uh, so Tom Ferry, our coach, and Garrett are both at the wedding. Yeah. For his grand and she's like in her seventies or eighties, which is pretty wild. Like I can't imagine that happening. So what what did you like the most about Garrett Stubbs?
1: Um, you know, I felt like he was um, he was fun, he was easy to talk to, um, yes. and was able to connect, you know, both like fun Philly things with real estate. Mm-hmm. Um so I like that.
0: Yeah. Well I I I I like the real estate aspect too, especially like being like the, the kid of a realtor like that. I I get that. Um and also you know, it's funny because, like, the Philadelphia sports scene is is so interesting because everyone thinks we're a bunch of jerks, and some people are, I mean, but I think that goes in any city. I mean, you know, peop- like there's all these horror stories happen everywhere. It's just, like, an easy media take. The people here do really care about sports, and the fact that – and, I mean, he kind of acknowledged that, and he's played in Houston. He played at uh, USC and during his college ball, so – and he's been to, like, three World Series, mm-hmm. so it's not like he's he's just been, like, some new guy that came up, and – I also liked how he was pretty vulnerable because he told us, like, he thought it might have been his last year in baseball a couple years ago. And, and like, you don't hear that often from a lot of people. And now he's, like, ingrained in the, in the city here. So I, that was a really good guess. That was, that was our best get. Um, I like Ben Black. So Ben Belack is on that show Selling Beverly Hills on Netflix. He's also, a, like, a friend of mine. We know him through the Tom Ferry Network as well. Um, you yeah, know, I thought he, he was pretty interesting. Especially being from here, like he—he really—he really went like very L.A. Since, because he grew up around here, like he didn't seem like he was from around here when you met him, I mean, that was the first yeah. time you met him. Yeah. So, who's more famous, Ben Black or Garrett Stubbs?
1: I don't know. Should we have a? Should we have like a little live poll here where know. people can vote?
0: <laughs> Nick, can we do that? I don't know, is that, is that uh, maybe, maybe not? So, I, I, Ben was interesting because he grew up here and then he moved to L.A. and I, that's got to be culture shock. Like, I mean, how many times you been out to California and LA, L.A. specifically?
1: LA specifically, I think only like once.
0: Yeah, it, and it's it's a different like you. So your sister lives in San Diego. I've been to San Diego many times. I'd rather go to San Diego ten times out of ten than go to LA. And it, it's a different vibe out there. And he really looked like when he showed up, he had like that like weird like houndstooth uh, scarf on. And, and I saw him in the lobby. He's got like sunglasses on. It's like cloudy. I'm like, dude, you're you've gone soft. You are clearly from LA. I thought he was. Pr- I thought I liked what he had to say too. And you know what? When he got talking. He, he, was, he was a lot like us in terms of like how he approaches his business and, and how he focuses there. He works expired listings in Beverly Hills. It's got to be bananas. Like right. I can't imagine making those calls. So what are some other guests you liked? Any other ones that stood out to you?
1: Um, well, this might just because it's top of mind because it was last week. Um, <laughs> but um, I really liked our guest, uh, Alexis Murphy, with Tomo. Um, honestly, I felt like it really touched on a lot of the pain points of you know that you often encounter mm-hmm. through the course of uh getting the mortgage and then getting it to settlement and being able to kind of bridge um some of the problem areas there and some of the pain points so i thought that was informative and something that will be very useful um moving forward
0: i, I agree um i like i mean they've got some pretty innovative stuff going on i mean the appraisal gap coverage yeah. dropping interest rates a half a point for first-time home buyers.
1: Locking in your rate, in for 120 days, yeah, without being under contract,
0: and 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 the free float down. I mean, there there's, you know, that's the kind of mortgage company that's going to survive in the current climate because
1: they're solving problems. Well, and,
0: and appraisal gaps aren't going away despite the market changing. So I, I I like that they they're they're coming to the table with solutions, not, hey, we're gonna we're gonna, we're gonna get you the best rates. Right. Like, cause that, how many times have you had a mortgage company approach you and they're like, oh, we're we're great with communication, we have the best rates. Well, how many times have you heard that before? So. I I agree with you though they they were very insightful. Um, another guest that that kind of sticks out to me that that I really liked was uh, Luke Ackery from uh, Reminder Media, um, and uh, he does the Stay Paid podcast. Um, yeah, he was pretty like pumped up, full of motivation. Like that was a uh, that that was that was a pretty pretty good one as well. I enjoyed that also. I mean we've had some good guests, but we got to top them now, right? Like wh- who are we going to get next? Is probably the best question. Yeah. So um, with that in mind, anything else that sticks out to you about the show, Sarah? I mean it's been. A long hundred days, um, or a hundred episodes, not even a hundred days. I can't even think straight. Like, wh- what stands out to you the most about doing this show? Because you were there from the beginning, had a baby, right? Like, the third episode. Yeah. Like the,
1: I was very pregnant for the first, uh, the, I, what, I think maybe I did two episodes before um, I went off to
0: have a baby. <laughs> I remember we took a picture outside and I could yeah. tell you were intentionally like trying to hide like that you were extremely pregnant and I know I, I mean, that no one it's I get it like I, I've had three kids I understand. Yeah. Um, so I mean so what like looking back I mean did you ever think you'd even be on the radio or doing something like this because this is a big commitment I mean it's like every week we do a lot of prep work for this and um, I, I think the show's only gotten better adding Stacey was awesome I, li- I like kind of the three-person show a lot better so what, looking back on this, what would you do differently? What do you like about it? What don't you like about it?
1: Yeah, I mean, one thing that I really like about it is, like, the prep that goes. Like, yes, it is a time commitment, but um, it keeps me always up to date on what is currently going on in the market, which only benefits me and my clients. Um, so, it's it's a way to make sure that every week I know what what is going on. So that's been that's been super helpful. Um, it's probably my favorite part about it. Um, what would I do differently? I feel like I could probably, and I feel like you would agree with this. I could come up with some more topics to, I to actually, go Though so I I'm disagree
0: thinking. with that. I your perspective is so fresh because you don't want someone who knows everything on the show. You want someone that can really relate to people. And I, I think one of the reasons this show works is because your perspective is so different than mine. Like you don't need like you don't need three people like you or me doing the show. That'd be boring, right? I mean, so. Um, I, I I liked it. It's, it's pretty fresh and you're seeing, you're dealing with a lot of stuff on the field. So I think that's what makes the show go is, is you being yourself. Yeah.
1: And I guess for probably the episode I was like the most nervous for would have been, there was one episode that you weren't here to drive the show and Stacy and I did it solo or we might've brought in
0: John from know. our team came yes. in. Yes. Yeah, so. Yes.
1: John came in. Um, but, uh, that was probably the most nervous that I was <laughs> like doing one. Cause the rest of them, like it's, it's it's also funny. I feel like for all the guests that come on, the first thing they say when they walk in and we sit down is they're like, "Oh my gosh, I'm so nervous." And then the first thing they say when the show wraps is, "That was a lot of fun." <laughs> like, I don't know what I was so nervous about.
0: Well, I think I think the cool thing is that we do talk about stuff that we know about. And it, you know, part of the goal of this show is it's confusing trying to buy and sell real estate. Like uh, imagine you weren't in real estate and someone tells you about the Fed and you're like, what yeah. the heck yeah, I mean, and and that's and that's so many people's perspective. So the more we can help, like, just educate people. I mean, that's really the idea behind this. I, I think it really helps. I know you guys were nervous for that show too. I remember that vividly. Um, you're know, like I'm like God, like we don't have time to pre record this. This is what's gonna happen. So um, that was cool and, and I, I appreciate it you guys are able to do it. But I think that's what makes the show go, is that someone's gotta drive it. Your perspectives are so fresh, and you and Stacey are so different in in the value that you bring to the show and it, it makes it way better. So think we can do another hundred yeah you're welcome well you're doing a great job I mean this is and this started out so a lot of people don't know this we were doing like the video show you remember and it was like three topics like PTI style T- pardon the interruption you uh, do you even know what PTI is no so um, it's
1: there I did just agree with that
0: one there. all right no, good no. No. so it, it's a um it's an ESPN show where they have like topics they go down and just debate them and talk about them and we were doing that during the pandemic um and it was something we just put out there with local topics and all of a sudden like it started we got we got offered the radio show which is pretty cool so we resigned signed our contract, so we're, we're back next year. Woo-hoo! All right, so that's it for this week's episode. Episode 100 in the books. Sarah, appreciate you being on the show, being here every week. Same with Stacey, even though she's in Florida, um, Florida, for the people that don't say Florida like I do. We're streaming live every single week, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. Just look up Tom Tool Sales Group. You can find Sarah on Instagram. It's at Ty underscore Ty Time. You can follow me at tool 3rd And that's it for this week's episode of Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM.